0: This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor of Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. Uh, my prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at
1: to you be the glory God to you be the honor and
0: praise we thank you so much again for this time that we've had to worship God I pray that as we enter into a time of God just opening your word
1: and and hearing from you this morning God and what you have for us God open up our minds and our hearts God to be receptive to what it is you
0: want to show us to how you want to teach us, Father, how we can take, God, the scripture that you've given us and apply it to our life and how we make decisions and how we live and how we, God, just represent you in whatever sphere of influence we have. God, we love you. I pray this in your holy and mighty name, amen. When you walk away this morning, I want you to remember that pride kills and humility saves pride kills and humility saves acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 and uh, we've been through the first four chapters we're coming into this chapter knowing what has just happened which has been really exciting and fun and um, good for the church like we've seen what Essentially it would be like an idyllic church. It's it almost seems like. Now there were struggles, there were problems, there were issues, things we don't want to see happening, but in essence we saw uh the Spirit of God being poured out on his people, we saw um miracles being performed, and we've seen nearly twenty thousand people come to faith in Jesus Christ and be united in mind and soul. We see unity, we see growth, we see excitement, we see miracles, we see provision. We are seeing God's work in the people. And so it's been really exciting. And and even in the face of persecution, in the face of, you know, Jesus' uh, uh, murderers, Peter, James, John, kind of standing up and preaching the gospel in the face of near death. They all had this faith that was multiplying and throughout the people. And you come through the church, this early church who prays together, is united together, cares for one another, and it culminates in this guy, Barnabas. The care and the provision, the church, culminates in this, this picture of a, a man named Barnabas who sold his house and everything that he had and—sorry, he sold his land and gave the proceeds to the apostles to be distributed to care for the people And coming from that into chapter 5, verse 1, you kind of shift gears. It's like, this is what it looks like good. This is healthy. This is growth. This is life. This is everything they wanted to see. And then chapter 5, verse 1, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, which is good, right? Like pause right there. It's what Barnabas did. That's what a lot of people were doing in this time. This this moment right here is what they wanted to see, or at least they thought that was going to be healthy for the church. So it says, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. What's going on here? Why is Ananias and Sapphira holding back a portion and not giving it to be used for care? So again, you see that transition Barnabas to Ananias and what we look at, think about this in your mind, think about this. Barnabas gave everything he had up for the care of others and was given a new name and was seen with high esteem amongst the church. So Ananias and Sapphira kind of see that and go, okay, we can get higher in status and richer at the same time. This new Exciting, passionate movement. All these people thriving. Twenty thousand people coming together, finding unity. We can be a part of that. Ananias and Sapphira can be, be a part of that and find higher status by how? Doing what Barnabas did. So he sells, they Ananias and Sapphira sell. And they bring proceeds, but they keep a profit. So notice two things they want to do higher status and more money. Richer and higher. Richer and higher pride kills, and humility saves. Richer and higher. So Ananias and Sapphira give this amount of money to the apostles, lay it down at their feet. And here's what Peter asks them It says in uh, verse 3 Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours Why you possessed it, and after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You've not lied to people, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. Now, this is one of those passages, uh, like I've said before, this is one of those passages where you, when you come to it, you can, you can ask questions, but you can't skip it. Okay, so when you're reading God's Word, just because there's a tough statement, don't skip it because it's tough. Ask questions. Ask good questions. So, And I know you must have questions coming away from this passage, especially like this. Could this happen to me, right? Could I be the Ananias? Is there something I could do to offend the Lord that would lead to my death? What might I do? You could ask all sorts of questions like, well, if Jesus is saved in Ananias, then why would he be killed because he sinned? And, and you, you kind of weave all these questions into a couple different big questions like, does God save? Does, is God powerful enough to do this? Was this man, did he have a heart attack and drop and die? And it was coincidence. Like there's all these questions you can ask from this text. But I want you to notice something Peter says. He says, you have not lied to people, but to God higher status, richer in money. Pride kills, humility saves. Ananias was seeking out higher status and more money. And in the meantime, the way he's doing it is by lying not to people, but to God. Like who is he to think? I mean, it's one thing to trick people, right? It's one thing to lie to people, but who is he to think that he can lie to God and God not know? Like, uh, God, I've given all my proceeds away. Make me a higher status. God knows. God knows what the price of the land was. God knows what the land was because he spoke it into creation. Like, who is Ananias to think that he can fool God? I mean, we see it even just in the beginning, but Peter's like, Peter already calls him out. Peter knows, not by facts, not by evidence, but because God is speaking through him, Peter knows that he hasn't given his whole pro- the whole proceed profit. So you can see God at work throughout all these different things. Who is Ananias to think that God cannot intervene and show and expose that he is lying? Not to people, but to God. So this is difficult, right? This is difficult to think about. What, what, what can I do? What, what, what can I do to separate me from my God? What can I do? And I think here's the key here. Ananias was prideful. But Jesus Christ was humble. You see, Ananias tried to bring an offering that was enough to gain a higher status and a richer life. As Christians, what we believe is there is nothing we can bring to God to gain a higher status or a richer life. There's no offering, no gift, no sacrifice I can make. No amount of money you can give that can satisfy God. There is nothing we can do. I think about it, you know, it's funny, and Pastor Glenn and I kind of laugh about it. I, since three years at this church, over three years at this church, I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on money. But when you come to a text and it speaks about money, you sort of, you, you let the text say what it has to say, right? So last week and this week have to do with money. And one of the first times, I mean, this one's kind of explicitly talking about giving and uh, giving to the, uh, to the church so that they can care. One of the first times it is, I'm, I'm sort of saying, don't give, which is kind of ironic. And what I mean by that is this, don't give if you're giving to gain, right? There's no power plays. There's no amount of money you can give that's gonna make God give you a higher status and there's no amount of money you can give that's gonna make me think anything different of you because I have no access to how much you give. I have no access. I can't see how much anybody gives in this church because I don't wanna know because I'm not gonna let how much you give affect how I treat you. And because of that, look at this. In the same way, Jesus Christ is not affected by how much you give to him by money. God is not affected by how much you give in money. Here's what is. This is our only sacrifice, our only offering. The final offering is Jesus Christ himself who came and humbled himself to the point of becoming like us, not us, but like us, and died on the cross and raised from the dead to show that humility can rise up in power. In 1 Corinthians 15, it would say like this, a seed must be planted, it must die and be planted in order that it might grow into new life. And Jesus comes and shows us what new life looks like from death into life, from destruction into producing more and more and more life eternally. Jesus Christ multiplying throughout the kingdom of the world, His kingdom of God is spreading throughout the world. Like it's just multiplying death into life. You see, Jesus humbled himself not to be served, but to serve. Not to just live life eternally, but to give you life eternally, He took the cross. Ananias came, like, look at what I got we come, like, look at Jesus, because, Father, I got nothing but him. I don't think Ananias knew his heart, or if he did, I don't think he was humble enough to show it. I hope today you will recognize that pride kills, humility saves, not because your humility saves, but because Jesus Christ humbled himself to the point of the cross, so the only thing I can bring to, bring to God is his son. Here's Jesus, the sacrifice that I can offer because he gave his life for me. Ananias tries to give money. It's not sufficient. So here's what happens. Verse five. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead and a great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out and buried him. It says, and a great fear came on all who heard. God can use anything for his glory. God can use this situation where a man lied and tried to go against him even for his glory. I think the truth is your life is gonna be used for God's glory no matter what happens through it. Sometimes it's by exalting, sometimes it's by struggling and suffering, but God is using it all together to bring him glory and to raise you into his son or daughter to whom he's chosen and died for and given life to. Like God is using you for his glory. We simply humbly come to him in obedience. Say, God, what, what do you want for me to do? You see, Ananias is so interesting. We come to God in humility. God, what do you want for me to do? Ananias came to God in pride. Here's what I want you to do, God. Here's the money. Make me higher, make me richer, give me status. In this miracle working passionate exciting life giving church why would you not want to be a part of the church that when you can't walk you can walk when you can't see you can see why would you not want to be part of this church and it said great fear came on all of them that word there is not translated in some other word because it means fear a great fear came on why did a great fear came on all of them i think about it like this i gotta throw a fishing reference in there right um has uh, anybody ever been out in the chesapeake bay I've got wounds to show it. I should have raised the other hand here. Anybody, uh, anybody ever been over the Chesapeake Bay? Uh, have you ever been over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge? Anybody driven over it? Okay. Have most of you seen the Chesapeake Bay? All right, cool. So I, I like the Chesapeake Bay. It's pretty cool. pretty cool thing, man. It's huge. It's massive. It's not the ocean, but it's huge, right? And it's got all these rivers and tributaries and like just really cool place. Um, but during the day, the, the, the tide rises and the tide falls, and in the ocean, if you've ever been to the ocean, you see the tide come in. And if you're not careful, you put your stuff where it sweeps it back out, right? And that tide is strong, is it not? But I, I like the ocean. I don't like it as much as, uh, as some people like it. I like the mountains. Uh, I prefer that. Um, but I do think the ocean's cool. I think the Chesapeake Bay is really extraordinary. Like the fact that you can build cities around it and huge uh, uh, tankers and big cargo ships can come through it. Like it's just unbelievable. It's not even that deep. Right? It's just crazy to me. So you look at this. And you look at how much that water shifts. And I tell you all this because of this. I like the Chesapeake Bay. I really do. But I understand its ability. I understand the power and the strength, the might of the Chesapeake Bay. It can pull you in. It can pull you under. That tide can rip you out. The ocean can rip you out. It is dangerous. At times they put red flags up on the ocean, a place that is, that is simplicity and solitude and peaceful. And you can watch and you see the magnitude of God. A place like that will have a red flag up sometimes to say, don't go in here. Why? You better have a respect of that water, right? You got to respect the Chesapeake Bay because it's strong and powerful and deep. And there's huge animals inside of it, which I'm scared of. And there's just massive things, right? But I have a fear and a reverence. But understand this is so much more important. Your God spoke all the universe into creation. He breathed it into creation and it became its existence. The Chesapeake Bay is literally created by God. Think about how massive it is. The, most, the largest thing you can even think about right now, seeing it, Mount Kilimanjaro, I remember flying around it on a plane, massive in the middle of a flat land. It's insane. Beautiful but it was created by my God. And the God who holds me in existence, my very life and breath is in him. His hands and his feet created everything that I am, like his breath, he brought me into existence and he can take me out. And there's a humility in us being able to say, my God is able. And when you recognize that God is able, God is powerful, God is magnificent, God is majestic, God is the creator. When you recognize all these things, you start to go, God, you, I, have a, I have a healthy respect, a reverence, a fear, if you will, of who you are. Now, here's the key. I'm not afraid that my God's going to kill me because his son died for me. I'm not afraid my God's going to kill me because his son died for me. What I should fear is this, when I think my God can't kill me. When I think my, my, my life is not in his hands, when I think that he doesn't hold the very world in motion, when I start to think, maybe I'm strong enough. Maybe i got enough power. Maybe i got enough status. Maybe I'm high enough in this world. Maybe I've got all these things together. Maybe my 401k can support me. Maybe my retirements can support me. Maybe my finances right now can support me. Maybe I'm okay we start to think that maybe everything we have is good enough to provide what we need. We start to become like Ananias, like maybe this little bit is enough that I can get the status I want. It's not until we recognize that I am never going to have what I need for life because he is the only one who has it. It's a healthy respect, a healthy care, love, support of one another leads to a healthy respect of what we are able to do. Man, you cannot. God holds our children in his hands. You fear sickness. You fear disease. You fear natural disasters. You can fear cars. You can fear all these things, but you can't control them. We have no control. We can take medicines. We can do the best of our ability. We can do all these things, but ultimately it is all in the Lord's hands. It's all in his hands. Like I can do nothing. I can do the best of my ability to provide for Evie and Brecken, but at the end of the day, he holds them in his hands. And the only thing I can do is cling to him and say, God, I know that you hold everything in your hands. I know that you breathe this into creation, and I have a healthy fear and reverence of that truth and that fact. And because of it, I cling to him and go, God, if I, if I can't have life without you, I'm gonna cling to you and figure out how you can give me life. And he chose to do it through his son, Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross and raised from the dead so that I might have life and so that you might have life. These young men had a great fear because they saw what God could do. Now, if you've seen enough miracles of provision, of healing, all these people had seen all these miracles take place. But when Ananias dropped dead, they understood that not only did God control the life that they had, the eyes that they could now see with, the legs that they could now walk with, but he also controlled the breath that they had. And so it says in verse 6, the young men got up wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. Can you just like feel that emotion and that weight in this passage of what they're doing? This man came to give, like it doesn't feel like it's something bad, like he gave money. And you feel like, well, what was he doing wrong? And Peter calls him out. He's like, because he was directly coming up against God. Like, God, you don't know. Here you go, make me higher. God, you're not big enough. Let me be bigger than you. Here's the amount of money, Peter. I'm gonna gain some status. Verse 7, about three hours later, this is so tragic. His wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. In this phrase, man, and they will carry you out. You know why Peter can say that? Because he has seen the faithfulness of the Lord. Faithful and faithful and faithful and character was consistent and God was performing miracles and he was doing things that were so consistent. And when Ananias comes forward and he lies to God and Peter and Peter sees in front of him, that man dropped dead. And then the wife come in and she lies again. Peter knows, I know it's about to take place because I've seen what happens when God is lied to. And man, I, look, here's the only thing we can rest in is God's grace, God's salvation. We have to come before the Lord and say, man, that only because of God can I have salvation and only because of God am I not in nice dead right now, right? Only because of God am I not dead right now. Like he holds my very life in his hands. But when this woman comes up and she says that it was the same price, lying to God, Peter recognizes, man, they're gonna carry you out too. Because you're sharing the same pattern, which is I wanna be richer and higher. It says in verse 10, instantly she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear, then great fear came on the whole church and on all who heard these things. A healthy fear, but a great fear, recognizing that God is the God overall. And I know, man, I know this is hard to understand. I know this is difficult to wrestle through. But when, when I, at the end of the day, when I, after I read this passage, here's what I come away with. There's a God who's strong enough to take my life, and yet he gave me his son, Jesus Christ, so that I might have life. But just rest in that for a moment. There's a God who's strong enough, big enough, and a consuming fire. That's what he's called consistently throughout the Old Testament, an all-consuming Fire. He's an all-consuming fire who gave up his son so that I wouldn't be consumed. That's grace. And I hope that it motivates you to this. I hope that it motivates you to honestly give, humbly give, and give in obedience. Give whatever God's called you to give with your time, talents, and treasures. I'm not just talking about finances, time, talents, treasures. What time you have, give to the Lord. What talents you have, give them to the Lord. And what treasure you have, give it to the Lord. And whatever he's called you to do and how he's called you to segment that out, uh, do it all for the glory of God, for it is all his anyways. Think about Ananias walking up in there, y'all. Who, wh- What part of what he had was his anyways? What part of this creation is yours? What part of this creation is mine? What part of this creation is is this church's? None of this was created by me. None of this was created by you. This was all created by God. It is all His, and to Him it will all return. Like it is all His. It is in His control. And Ananias wanted to keep a little back. So my question for you in your life is: What are you? What are you holding back? I want you to. I want you to go through this week with this question. And just like, like. Write it down, put it in your phone right now, whatever you want to do. But ask the Lord this question, what is mine and what is yours? Just in your prayer time. God, what is mine and what is yours? Because my family's God's. My possessions are God's. Ask the question, what is mine and what is God's? So I want to end with this. It's verse 11. It says, Then great fear came on the whole church and all who heard these things. And like I said earlier, everything that happens in this world can bring glory to God. He works all things together for the good of him. He brings glory to him, but he also does it for us in the sense that he is raising you up to be the son and daughter that he's called you to be. Whether it's a difficult season or you feel like it's an easy season, whether, like I've said, in the valleys or on the mountaintops, no matter where you are, God is bringing it all together, working it all together to bring you to the place that he has for you. And so rather than holding a little bit back, we give it all over and say, it's yours anyways. And so I want to ask you to join me in the Lord's Supper. And as you do this in 1 Corinthians 11, it says before we take this, we ought to check our hearts. And so here's why why I want to do this with you right now. I want you to just take a moment to check your heart. To wrestle in your heart with is there something that I'm doing that I feel like I'm giving over to, to earn salvation, to earn status, like I'm holding back to get richer? Is there something that I'm not doing that I should be doing? Or is there something I am doing that I shouldn't be doing? What am I? What is present in my heart that I haven't given over to the Lord? Like Ananias holding thing, bet things back or like Ananias trying to gain status. Is there anything in your life that you're just... Not giving to the Lord for his control, I just want you to take a moment if you just man, if you just close your eyes, just take a moment just to think through that, and as you 're processing through that, I want you to think about. This, the God of the universe who created all things and all power is in his hands, all majesty, all wonder is his. All the miracles performed were through him. That same God who had all power gave his son. If there's something we haven't given, I want you to think about that. God gave his son so that you might have life. In 1 Corinthians 11, it continues to say, Jesus says at the Lord's Supper that his body was given up. Humbly, he gave up his life. Not so that he could gain status, but so that you could gain status. This is the gospel that the God of the universe gave up, came down from heaven became like us so that we might become eternal, have life like him. How majestic, how wonderful, how powerful, how strong is it to know that my God gave me life. So if you agree with that, if you'll proclaim that with me, that gospel message that my God came down, lived a life, died on a cross and raised from the dead, Would you partake in this Lord's Supper? This bread represents the body which was given for us. It continues by saying that the blood of Jesus is represented by the juice, and it was given to be a new covenant with us that the blood represents the sacrifice that was made, the offering that was made so that we might have life. It's that, man, it's that epic thing of knowing that there's an offering out there that cannot climb off the altar. That's how I always think about it. I always want to climb off the altar. That's That's my struggle. I want to take things off the altar. I don't want to give them up to the Lord. But Jesus is the sacrifice that stayed on the altar so that I would have life dying on the cross so that i would have life and man every time i think about that i think about the blood of the covenant i think about jesus giving up his life so that i might have life so would you partake this with me and he continues by saying every time you do this you proclaim jesus death until he comes And so, church, is one body united together with fellowship and care and love and support for one another, we just proclaimed Jesus Christ, life, death, and resurrection. And so, as the band comes, I want to give you two uh, gospel responses. At verse 11, then great fear came on the whole church. I want to ask you this. Do you have, and do you understand, do you have a respect, do you have a... An understanding of God's sovereignty for your life, for your family, for your future, for your possessions. Do you understand that everything is his? It's all created by him and for him. It is all his. And have you been able to say, God, man, do with it what you will because I know it's yours and you're just letting me steward it. You're just letting me hold it for a time until it's someone else's. Steward what God has given you well and understand that it is all his anyways. Whether that be your breath and your body or your money or your talents or your time, understand it is all given by God. That is God's sovereignty. The almighty creator of this world gave you the opportunity to have and to hold something that is his. And just as amazing as the God of the universe not only gave you everything that you have, but he gave you his son so that you can have life. Think about those things. That's the power and the care and the love and the character and the faithfulness of our God. Do you submit to his sovereignty? His plan? His purpose for your life. Have you submitted to this? And my second challenge to you is to just honest, obedient, humble giving of your time, talents, treasures. Give what God has called you to give with your time, talents, and treasures. As I said last week, give in excess. That was what Barnabas did. He was giving in excess. But whatever God's called you to right now, That's what you should give in time, talents, and treasures, not just money. Don't hold back to be richer. Don't give to gain status. Give in humility, recognizing that it's all his anyways, because he is a sovereign God. Amen? Let me pray for you. As we go into this time of prayer, I want to make something available to you. We're going to have a pastor available. Pastor Glenn's going to be available for prayer, but also we have a prayer team available if you want to pray during this time. And so God, we pray that you would work in our hearts right now. Father, I pray that you would help make me more like your son, humble and not prideful, giving and not just receiving serving and not just being served. Father, I pray that this church would be a place that gives, a place that serves, a place that is obedient and humble. I pray, Father, that we would have people in this room for the first time today that would recognize how powerful and majestic you are consuming fire. I pray, God, that people's minds would be open right now in this moment to understand that you created everything and you can take it away. I pray, God, that in this time, that some people might understand and have a fear for the fear of you but haven't ever understood your grace. I pray, God, that there might be somebody in this room who understands that you have given them salvation from death, that they might have a life, that you are our protector, our defender, our life. You are our everything. You are the only offering we have. God, we pray to you knowing that you are the only one who can sustain us in this world. So give us, Father, what we need. We'll steward it well for your glory. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. I pray you have a great week i hope we see you tonight at salt uh, at 6 p.m if you're a young all and alphas this wednesday and sunday 6 45 p.m on wednesday 11 o'clock a.m on sunday we hope to see you there y'all have a great week we'll see you later you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after jesus uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey